AOA is brought to you by Cinex Premium Diesel. Cinex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around. Informing America's farmers and ranchers. This is AOA. Produced by the American Ag Radio Network. Here's your host, Mike Adams. Hello, everyone. Welcome to AOA. Thanks for joining us, letting us be part of your day. We appreciate it. Busy times. Lots going on with harvest. Lots going on in Washington, D.C. We'll try to keep you up to date on all that. Senator Grassley, Iowa Senator Chuck Grassley, joins us later in the program with his thoughts on what's going on with the the different proposals, uh, the infrastructure bill, the, uh, the budget resolution bill, and... Of course, a lot going on with biofuels. We'll get his thoughts and all that. Kansas farmer Ken McCauley will give us an update from his farm a little bit later on in the program. So there is indeed a lot going on, but let's start with the news in our nation's capital. We go to Jerry Hagstrom with the Hagstrom Report. Jerry, thanks for joining us. Uh, what's the latest? Are they going to separate the infrastructure bill uh, apart from the other uh, big $3.5 trillion bill? Yes, they apparently are going to separate the two bills. Uh, House Speaker Nancy Pelosi apparently told her caucus in, the, you know, in a private meeting uh, on um, Monday evening uh, that uh, it's no longer possible to link the two, that they have to pass the infrastructure bill by Thursday night because the authorization for the uh, for transit and uh, you know, roads and transit will expire and that cannot happen. And so she is separating the two. I believe the progressives are still pledging to bring the bill down, but that appears unlikely. So the two have been separated. Most likely, the uh, you know this bill will go forward on Thursday night, uh, and the uh, the bigger budget reconciliation bill would go up at some point in the future. Although there are people still trying to bring that up on Thursday too, but that would be an awfully big uh, thing to try to do especially since they've also got to pass a bill to fund the government in general uh, starting Friday morning. And where does that stand? Well, where that stands is that yesterday the, uh, the Senate uh, refused to pass a bill that had been passed in the House, and that bill would fund the government into December and would uh, also uh, raise the, the, the limit on government borrowing. Uh, the Republicans are saying they won't uh, agree to participate in raising the, the debt limit uh, or the borrowing limit, um, uh, uh, but they have said that they will vote for the uh, uh, continuing resolution on government funding. So now the Democrats are preparing a separate bill on that to come up in both houses before midnight Thursday. So, as you said, it's it would seem to be a pretty tough task to get the uh, the budget resolution bill passed as well on on thursday when you've got the the debt relief uh, debt ceiling issue as well as past infrastructure so if you put that off and with the uh, kind of the infighting already going on within the democratic party uh what are your thoughts on it what its future as it gets delayed does, doesn't it get harder to pass or not uh no i wouldn't say that it'll get harder to pass i think it will come down in size it won't be as big as the $3.5 trillion. Even Pelosi has acknowledged that, that the Senate won't vote for it. Uh, the, the difficulty in negotiating that bill at the present time is that Senator Manchin from West Virginia and Senator Sinema from Arizona 
I have not been willing to say what their, I guess you'd say what their top line is, what they will support. And so um, uh, that, I would say, for the people trying to negotiate it is a a frustration. Uh, I think that something will pass eventually, um, and uh, the Democrats are also going to have to figure out what to do about the debt limit, uh, because later in October, the government will run out of money, uh, and we'll need to borrow, and we'll need to borrow more, uh, and they got to solve that problem, or we'd have could have problems in the international credit markets. Yeah, so a lot, a lot on the line here. It's some big, big decisions. Now, meanwhile, on the biofuels front, uh, with all these uh, reports out there that EPA is going to lower the uh, the required blending uh, levels for biofuels under the RFS. Uh, there's quite a pushback, obviously, from the biofuels industry, including a pushback from some Democrats, right, that uh, they don't want to see those levels cut that much. Oh, yes. On biofuels, it's the senators from the, from the biofuels producing states versus the senators from the, from the oil states. Uh, the, the original report, which came from Reuters, said that EPA was going to announce this last Friday. And uh, I was fascinated to see that that did not happen. Uh, and, of course, the biofuels industry was out there campaigning against it, uh, writing to the White House and saying, you have to take charge, control your EPA. And uh, I can't say that that, that has happened, uh, but at least the announcement hasn't come, uh, come up. So in the case of this biofuels volumetric requirement, I think no news is good news. Yeah, the fact that they have not yet announced it would seem that uh, they are hearing and feeling the pressure on, on this and uh, maybe rethinking it a bit? I, I would imagine that that's what's happening. Uh, it's one of those things where nobody's talking, but uh, uh, somebody had talked to writers before and now they've shut up. So uh, I would think from the biofuels perspective, uh, this is a better situation. So this is going to be a hectic next uh, few days to finish out this month. It certainly will. Uh, uh, the, ne- the next three days uh, will not be one of those times when I'm saying Congress isn't doing anything, because Congress has to do things. And is it, they're a bit like journalists. They work better under pressure. So <laughs> I think you'll, if anybody wants to be watching to see what's happening, the night to watch is Thursday night. Yeah, I don't know that you always work better under pressure, but you just know you have to get it done, right? I mean, I, I think a big question is, is this the best way to govern, put everything always going right to the last second? Uh, it forces action, but uh, sometimes I, I wonder, couldn't it have been done you know, better if it had been handled sooner? I'd say, of course, it could be handled better. Yes, when you work under pressure, you get something done, but it's not necessarily your best work. Yeah, they just always seem to back themselves right to a corner and right down to the very last. Uh, they move a lot of deadlines, but eventually they get to a deadline they can't move. Uh, exactly, exactly. And this deadline is the end of the fiscal year, uh, which uh, you know comes up every year. But they haven't been willing to do the appropriation bills in the normal uh, in the normal what they call regular business for years. And so we face this every year. We have the we have to have a continuing resolution, and then later in the year, usually in December. Finally, we have a massive appropriations bill that that, that uh, propels a whole bunch of agencies through, and that way 
nobody's going to complain because they, they want something so much that they let things go through that they might have protested if it were under normal order. Yeah, unfortunately, this has become the norm for the way they do it, and, and uh, people try to find a way to use that to their advantage as well, as you pointed out. All right, Jerry, thanks a lot. Good to talk with you. Good to talk to you. Jerry Hagstrom with the Hagstrom Report. We talk markets next with Naomi Bloom. Stay with us. You're listening to AOA. AOA is brought to you by Cenex Matron Synthetic Diesel Engine Oils. Oils that run smart. I choose the Roundup Ready Extend crop system because I know they've got my back. Their spray early weed control guarantee helps me get the most out of early season applications. If I experience less than commercially acceptable performance, I'm eligible for up to $15 per acre on additional applications. That's a system I can depend on. The Roundup Ready Extend Crop System. See program details at sprayearlyguarantee.com. Guarantee is subject to program restrictions. Always follow pesticide label directions. They say if you listen hard enough, you can hear the corn grow. It's true. When you're out in the field, you understand its challenges and what it needs to thrive. Channel Seedsmen bring insights from the field to our team of Bayer plant breeders. Their knowledge inspires our product development. From your best ground to your most challenging conditions, our products are designed to perform in your fields. Visit ChannelListens.com to see our latest innovations. Always read and follow IRM where applicable. Grain marketing and all other stewardship practices and pesticide label directions. These acres you've put your life into, your view each harvest morning. While the ag industry changes, this land is meant to be here for your grandkids and then theirs. That's why ADS and drainage contractors across the nation are doing our part to protect America's farm families. We're proud to provide water management solutions that make family farms like yours more profitable, now and for generations to come. Learn more about how we keep families farming at ADSPipe.com. Peak performance at harvest is a necessity. It's our expertise. Producers who look to have a successful harvest turn to FS. Our grain systems experts reduce downtime by offering the latest products, innovations, and knowledge to your grain operation. Whether you need a part in a hurry or advice on your equipment, we'll keep you running. At FS, we're always looking for ways to optimize your grain system and ensure during harvest your operation is ready for what's next. So visit FSSystem.com and let's get you headed towards your next success. FS, bringing you what's next. Vision loss is not something that you feel until it happens. Most people lose their vision from diseases like macular degeneration and glaucoma, not at birth. With macular degeneration, you lose your central vision. You have a blind spot right in the center of your face, so I can't actually see your face. So even that little circle in which I could see became a big blur. I was 65 when I first was diagnosed with glaucoma. There were no symptoms. I had no headaches. Three million Americans have glaucoma, and half don't even know it. 11 million people in the United States have macular degeneration. You lose mobility, independence, changes your entire life. So many eye disorders can be treated if caught early. My husband tells me that I have beautiful brown eyes, and I don't want to lose that. Make a plan today to get your eyes checked. Visit brightfocus.org to learn more. AOA is brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around.
Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know on AOA. Now, back to Mike Adams. So Thursday of this week is going to be a big week with what's happening in Washington with these uh, tax and spend proposals, and we see what they uh, pass and don't pass. We'll also find out on Thursday the latest USDA crop numbers as we get uh, another report. Let's talk about that with Naomi Bloom, Senior Market Advisor for Total Farm Marketing. Naomi, good to talk with you again. What are you expecting in this report? Well, we are looking to see if the USDA makes the ending stocks essentially smaller. So for soybeans, right now pre-report estimates are coming in at 174 million bushels. A pretty big range, though, like down to 145, anywhere up to 202. But right now the USDA number is 185. So we'll see what the USDA says for soybeans. Wheat stocks, they're looking for 1.852 billion bushels, um, and that is down from year-ago levels. And for corn, they're looking for stocks to come in closer to 1.155 billion bushels. Um, And then that would be kind of on par for where we are right now with the current USDA numbers. But, you know, the thing is to me is that the cash market continues to be so strong right now for um, this time of year, and that's not normal. So that really makes me think that the ending stocks are much smaller than what the USDA has been letting on. And Thursday's report will give us the glimpse of that and those numbers then are what we trade then pretty much going into the rest of 2021 and it sets the stage for the next three months. And this report sometimes has some surprises some fireworks uh, so it could happen this time. Yeah absolutely you know last year the USDA did give us a friendly quarterly stocks report because they were being a little bit more forthright about the low test weights that we had been barking about for you know the year prior so all that data came to light on that report. So this would be the opportunity for the USDA to you know, share that data. And again, then it sets the stage for the rest of the year. And then, of course, as you mentioned just a little while ago, we also have the debt ceiling to deal with on Thursday. And that is equally a big market factor as well because that will affect the value of the dollar. And if it doesn't get passed, of course, then all of the um, USDA reports for October do not get released. So no weekly export sales, no crop progress ratings, and no October WASDE report. So this week is the end of the month, end of the quarter. The funds are doing some rebalancing, and there's a lot going on. And so I know that producers are out busy with harvest, but boy, you got to be in tune this week. There's a lot of information coming at us. Yeah, it's a big week for sure. Now, you mentioned the October report. That's when we really start hearing from USDA what they think about this year's crop. Yes, very much so. And, you know, right now from traders, um, we're hearing that they're thinking the USDA might actually raise soybean yields on that report, but lower corn yields. I would agree with that from clients that I'm visiting with. The corn yields across the country are just all over the place, all over the place. And, of course, that just depended on what kind of rain they received in July and that heat, though, definitely affecting things and, of course, the tar spots as well. But I am pretty consistently hearing really nice soybean numbers. I would say, um, you know, average, slightly above average for certain locations. The August rains definitely help many growers. That's, that's, I think, is becoming a bigger theme out there. What, when you look at the prices where they are right now, what surprises you or, or are you surprised at where they're at? 
we're in the holding pattern still, and that makes sense to me right now because we have you know, this report coming up, and I, you know, I still feel that the old crop ending stocks are tighter than what the USDA has been saying, and that should be supportive going forward. We're still going to need to have a pretty significant fight for acres for next spring, and with the input costs skyrocketing, you know, the new crop prices are not overly attractive, actually, because when you have fertilizer prices that are doubling, and now rumors that you know, some of Chinese um, exports of fertilizers are going to be halting, we're in a pickle here, potentially, for this coming crop year season. What I do like on the deferred contracts, that December 22 corn has just been slowly inching higher. We're up at 518 this morning. And I think the market is aware that corn is going to need to buy some acres this next year, again, because the corn yields are coming in lower than what the USDA had projected. And the demand still is strong. And then, of course, with those fertilizer prices being strong, a lot of producers are already talking about planting more soybeans instead of corn. Yeah, that is really a story to watch. Not only the price and whether or not you're willing to pay that price, but also just availability. Can you get it if you're willing to pay it? Yeah, that's going to be a huge factor. And that's something we haven't had to deal with here in this country Boy, I think the last time we had, you know, struggles with moving things along the river was because of Hurricane Katrina. But now we have just struggles with availability from a global standpoint. So things are heating up, and it's just a never, it is a never-ending battle of knowing what to watch on the global marketplace and the global scene, especially with things in China with their sudden energy crisis and um, the Evergrande story still developing. There is a lot of moving parts right now. And all of those parts affect the bottom line prices for agriculture. Yeah, and uh, we'll keep a watch on that to see if it does indeed uh, tip the scale towards more bean acres next year. We're talking with Naomi Bloom, Senior Market Advisor for Total Farm Marketing. You touched on it earlier, but I think we need to talk more about it. And that Watching what happens to the U.S. dollar, that's a, that's a big story moving forward. That's a big story, yes. Um, so again, just to remember, the reason the dollar is so important is because when the value of the dollar works lower, it makes it cheaper for other countries to import our agricultural products because of currency exchange rates. So we definitely want to keep an eye on that. There's also, when you step back and look at the value of all commodities, like looking at the Goldman Sachs Commodity Index, all commodities are in this consolidation pattern ready to break out one way or the other. Now we are starting to see crude oil prices and energy prices work higher. If that continues, that should take grain prices higher with it. Um, but again, we're, we're again still just consolidating right now with energy prices, with agricultural prices, and the dollar also is kind of stuck in its own little trading range here. So this debt ceiling thing is a big deal. It's going to affect the value of the dollar. You know, I also wonder on soybeans, if indeed for various reasons, and some we just pointed out, that our soybean acres go up. We know South America's soybean acres are going to go up. So what are we building a bearish scenario for soybean prices next year? Yeah, that's another great question. And we have definitely been hearing that acres are up in South America. So if they do not have any weather issues this winter, um, then that would weigh on our prices here Definitely, but there's already still talk that they're heading towards this La Nina pattern, which would be more hot and dry for them over the winter season, where um, that would be supportive for prices. 
obviously because they still are deficit soil moisture from last year's growing season, and so they need to have soils replenished just as much as the western United States needs our soils replenished as well. So adding weather to the mix, the value of the dollar, it could really be an exciting uh, six months coming up here as we get more into details for what's happening with our prices and why things could explode higher potentially if, if the stores continue to align or why we could maybe even stay in a holding pattern for a little bit longer. There's just a lot of question marks out there right now. Yeah, it's very fluid, that's for sure. You've got a lot of factors that could influence it, and these are these are big factors. And it's always hard to really get a handle or predict what's going to happen with China anyway. <laughs> yes, that's, I mean, <laughs> we, we talk about, um, you know, the things that we feel like we are able to truly understand from them, but then all of a sudden the headline will change. But the thing that makes me more concerned is that they're getting more and more into a shutdown of information mode. And it just makes me think of a teenager. When they start to shut down with their conversations, that means there's something big going on in their world. And sometimes I feel like China is this big uh, teenager from the standpoint of wanting to keep things a secret and not wanting to share with the world what's actually happening in their country. So um, the biggest thing with China, of course, remember, is that they really need food prices to stay in check because you cannot keep control of over a billion people if they're hungry. So China, I think, is doing their best to keep food prices in check right now. Well, as you said, everyone needs to stay tuned. These next few days uh, will really set a tone for the next perhaps several months. It's going to be very important. Um, there is, again, just so much to manage, so much to monitor. Keep you know, an eye on the value of the crop in front of you as you're harvesting. There's a lot of questions if people should be storing corn. Should they be storing soybeans? Should they just be selling everything off the combine and, and looking at re-ownership strategies with call options out to next summer? So really sit down and, and understand your cost of production. Start thinking about your cost of production for this next year because uh, it's going to be here sooner than you know, and, and we're going to be seeing a lot of fight for acres, I think, coming up. All right, Naomi, thank you. Always good to talk thank with you. you. Naomi Bloom, Senior Market Advisor for Total Farm Marketing. Well, as we watch what's happening in Washington, D.C., we'll get an update from someone who's very involved in it. Iowa Senator Chuck Grassley joins us next on AOA. AOA is brought to you by... Cenex Matron Synthetic Diesel Engine Oils. Oils that run smart. Why do I plant NK seeds? Because every seed's an investment, and I don't gamble on my farm. Out here, every seed's got to earn its acre. That's why I need corn and soybeans that deliver the results I expect. And it's why I always make room for elite performers from NK. Because every investment owes me a return and success matters. Find your local NK retailer at nkseeds.com retailer. These acres you've put your life into, your view each harvest morning. While the ag industry changes, this land is meant to be here for your grandkids and then theirs. That's why ADS and drainage contractors across the nation are doing our part to protect America's farm families. We're proud to provide water management solutions that make family farms like yours more profitable, now and for generations to come. 
Learn more about how we keep families farming at ADSPipe.com. You're listening to AOA. I'm Kirsten Rawl. Demand was active and the USDA announced a daily export sales notice of 334,000 metric tons of soybeans for delivery to China on Monday. This was the first daily sales notice to China in 10 days. Yesterday's crop progress report pegged the U.S. corn harvest at 18% complete and the soybean harvest at 16% complete. Both are 3% ahead of the five-year average. U.S. winter wheat is 34% planted, 2% ahead of the five year average. Widespread rain is forecast for the U.S. winter wheat region beginning tomorrow. On the Board of Trade this morning, December corn trading two and three quarters lower at 536 and three quarters. The March contract down two and a half cent at 544 and a half cent. For soybeans, November down eight and a fraction at 1279 and a fraction. The January contract trading eight and a half cent lower at 1289. For wheat, Chicago wheat December down four and a fraction at 718. Kansas City wheat December down three and three quarters at 717 and a fraction. Minneapolis spring wheat December trading three cents lower at 918 and a half cent. The March contract down three and a fraction at 904. All is quiet in cash cattle country this morning. Asking prices are around $125 in the south, but not yet established in the north. Box beef prices were lower with choice cuts down 62 cents and select cuts down 15 cents. Looking at live cattle futures on the Board of Trade this morning, the October live cattle contract trading 32 cents lower at $122.12. The December contract trading 35 cents lower at $127.45. For feeder cattle, October trading 25 cents higher at $155.10. The November contract up 52 at $156.10. For lean hogs, the December contract trading 42 cents higher at $81.82. The October contract trading 15 cents lower at $90.07. You're listening to AOA. I'm Kirsten Rawl. Take a look under your bed. Find stuff under there? What about jobs? No? Now try your basement. There's a pair of overalls that overall you're not so into anymore. A perfectly good laptop that hasn't sat in your lap in months. And even more stuff, but still no jobs? Well, you really have both. See, stuff is defined as household articles considered as a group. Sometimes this stuff is no longer needed. Wait, no longer needed? That can't be right. Because remember those jobs you were looking for? Those are really needed, and they're the stuff inside your stuff. Even inside that winter coat that moved with you to Phoenix. Our job is to unlock those jobs, and it starts when you donate your stuff to your local Goodwill. Here's how we do it. When you donate to Goodwill, we sell your stuff to provide job training for people right here in your community. So just by teaming up with Goodwill, you help create jobs. And isn't that worth parting with the leftover guitar from your 80s cover band? Goodwill. Donate stuff, create jobs. Find your nearest donation center at Goodwill.org. A message from Goodwill and the Ad Council. AOA is brought to you by Cinex Premium Diesel. Cinex Premium Diesel. Diesel that doesn't mess around. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know on AOA. Now, back to Mike Adams. All right, so a lot going on in Washington, a lot on the line. We're going to get an update now from Iowa Senator Charles Grassley. Senator, thank you for joining us. Let's try it one more time. Senator Grassley, are you there? Well, we'll keep trying. Evidently, we're having a little trouble with our hookup with the senator, so we want to talk with Senator Grassley about the debt limit situation, infrastructure, 
the other $3.5 trillion spending package, and, of course, uh, the biofuels issue. So much on the line, as we've been talking about today. And uh, we'll keep trying to reconnect with Senator Grassley and get him on and get his thoughts. Uh, and I'm sure he'll have a, a lot of thoughts on where we're at and where this may take us. And um, certainly a lot on the line. The latest word is it looks like, as we talked about earlier, it looks like they will take up the infrastructure bill separate from the $3.5 trillion budget resolution uh, package um, House Speaker Pelosi has been trying all along to co connect those two, combine those two, but it looks like it is finally going to be separated. And that could be good news for getting an infrastructure bill passed, something that uh, there's bipartisan support for. And uh, hopefully that will get done. And then, as we heard earlier from Jerry Hagstrom, that would push the other $3.5 trillion package later in the year, probably into next month, probably, and that it might come back at uh, perhaps a lower figure. That is something that uh, they'll be negotiating. So hopefully we'll get uh, Senator Grassley on here in just a moment and get his thoughts on that. A lot of implications here as this comes right down to the wire. I would think the biggest question would be getting the biggest issue would be make sure the government stays funded because if you don't get that done the other parts aren't going to, uh, you're not going to be able to do the other things, obviously, if the government is shut down. So um, they keep running this right to the end and then kind of kicking the can down the road. And uh, they usually get it done, and they will probably get it done again this time. But it remains to be seen just in what form and, and when. Now I think we're connected with the senator. Senator Grassley, are you there? I've been hearing you since 10.30. You haven't been hearing me before, right? We couldn't hear you, but we can now, and we're very happy for that. Thank you for being patient and staying with us. All right, bring us up to date. Uh, well, you're, you're, the one that, you're the one that had to be patient. <laughs> so where are we now on, first of all, getting the, the government funded and keep it going? Uh, Pelosi said a couple of days ago, that if the Senate didn't go along with what they passed last week, that she would pass a short-term extension so that we would uh, uh, be able to fund government past October 1st for maybe three or four weeks instead of the December 3rd that they had in their deal that included the debt limit. Now, the debt limit doesn't have to be passed by October 1st. Sometime early October We'll have to deal with the debt limit. So when Schumer insisted on putting the debt limit increase with a continuing resolution, uh, it didn't get 60 votes in the United States Senate. So we're back to what Pelosi said two weeks ago, or uh, two days ago would happen if the Senate didn't go along with their bill. So that's where we are. She's also seemingly backed off now of hooking the infrastructure bill to their budget resolution bill. Uh, so are we going to get a vote then on just the infrastructure bill? On Thursday, yes. And uh, that was uh, quite a change of thought for her, uh, mm -hmm. from her point of view for the last two or three months. Ever since the Senate separated the two, and when the Senate separated the two, that was one of the reasons that I voted for the infrastructure bill, because it didn't include the four and two-tenths trillion dollars uh, entitlement uh, add-ons that they want, uh, which is uh, just poor policy 
besides feeding the fires of inflation when you want to spend another $4 trillion. Uh, so now that they're completely separated, the House of Representatives, if the House passes our bill without any amendments in the House, it'll immediately go to the president, and the president would have a big victory, and he needs that big victory right now, uh, considering how his poll numbers have fallen tremendously. So I think uh, we ought to applaud Pelosi for saying uh, she's going to go ahead with the Senate bill without the foreign two-tenths trillion dollars uh, entitlement. Many entitlement programs that are in that bill. Because as we've said all along, there's bipartisan support for that infrastructure bill, and it would provide funding for many things, roads, bridges, broadband, things that uh, there's support for across the country. So this would seem to be pretty good news. Uh, absolutely. Particularly in Iowa, where uh, we got potholes that, that the additional money is going to help us build decent highways. And we're 50th out of 50 states. In the number of our bridges, about 23% of our bridges are structurally deficient. Uh, there's a bridge right within a mile of my farm that uh, only one truck can be on at a time. It's just one example of the dangerous situations we have uh, in, in, in Iowa. So the infrastructure bill, and by the way, that one and two-tenths trillion dollars is only about $500 billion above what would normally be spent from the gas tax anyway. So uh, uh, this is going to be spent over a five- to eight-year period of time. It's not like the other foreign two-tenths trillion-dollar bill that a lot of Democrats want that would be spending every year for the next, uh, who knows, 50 years, 100 years, you know. Yeah. Okay, let's switch to biofuels. The, the reports are out there that uh, this administration is going to lower the uh, the RVO levels, the required blending requirements under the RFS, getting a lot of pushback from you and some others, even from some Democrats in Congress. Uh, no announcement's been made. Do, you, do we think, or do you think uh, no news is good news, that maybe they're rethinking this? Well, I hope so, because what we have heard rumored would be the worst RVOs, that's the amount of ethanol that has to be mixed in with petroleum products, be the worst RVOs we've ever had announced by any administration, Republican or Democrat. And Biden ran on a platform saying how uh, how much he was for ethanol and how he knew it was very important to the farmers. He's breaking that bond uh, that, that he talked about. He said there's a bond between uh, him and the ethanol industry and between farmers and the ethanol industry, and it need to be preserved. He would be breaking that bond. He would be screwing the family farmers. He'd be screwing 43,000 jobs in Iowa with ethanol, 5,000 jobs with uh, biodiesel, and, uh, and there's 14 states that have uh, massive corn growing. And there's a lot of Democrat senators in those states. They need to get to the White House right now and say how uh, catastrophic this is. And it's quite contrary to what I heard from the new director of the EPA when I talked to him before his confirmation, very pro-ethanol. And he wasn't going to make any moves without consulting with uh, the agricultural community. So I think there's a person by the name of Gina McCarthy that's an advisor to the president on ethanol that is screwing uh, this thing around and going to hurt the family farmers. And so I hope that these Democrat senators 
will get to the White House, get this thing straightened out, because Chuck Grassley isn't going to be invited to the White House like I was during the Trump administration. Hmm. We're talking with Iowa Senator Charles Grassley. What can you tell us? Where are we on taxes as far as protecting stepped-up bases? Where are we on the inheritance tax? What's the latest there? Well, the inheritance tax in the House Ways and Means Bill is cut in half this year. Uh, normally, uh, the, uh, the 2017 tax bill, that policy would expire 2025. They speed it up by four years. Uh, so that would be very detrimental to the family farm. They haven't dealt with the stepped-up basis yet, but the chairman of the Ways and Means Committee uh, feels that uh, that's still an issue that they can deal with. So that's uh, not out of the woods yet. And then in the uh, Senate, under Senator Wyden's leadership, by the way, I get along with Senator Wyden on a lot of things, but he is very much more radical on this subject of the stepped-up basis or, or uh, taxing, uh, uh, taxing uh, capital gains uh, even before you sell your stock or you sell your farm and all that sort of stuff. Uh, he's very radical on that. So we've still got to keep up our fight. But I think there's a, there's enough Democrats in the Senate that uh, know they're hearing from their farmers and their small business people, just like I am, that are going to step up and not let that happen. All right. So some big uh, big decisions coming in the next few days. What should we watch for first? Well, uh, hopefully Thursday the infrastructure bill gets passed. Mm-hmm. Then after the infrastructure bill, we're going to be operating under a continuing resolution to fund the government for uh, till December the 3rd. And then by that point, probably all the appropriation bills will be ready to go and fund government through September 30th, 2022. In the meantime, then just what you and I've talked about, uh, we've got to talk about are they going to uh, go with this mm-hmm. four and two tenths trillion dollar uh, infrastructure uh, bill. And that's up to Manchin and Cinema. If they hold out on that, the Democrats can't get 50 votes to do that. All right. We'll watch it closely. Senator, as always, really appreciate your time. Thanks for joining us. Thank you very much. Goodbye. Take care. Iowa Senator Charles Grassley lays it all out very clearly for us as we'll watch and see what happens these next few days. Stay with us. You're listening to AOA. AOA is brought to you by Cenex Matron Synthetic Diesel Engine Oils. Oils that run smart. 54. So, basically, it's too late to start saving for retirement, right? Not right. Starting to save, even in your 50s, can really make a difference. Well, right now, saving seems hard to wrap my head around. Plus, with the way this year's been going... (laughs) Hey, listen. It's okay. You still got this. Just go to aceyourretirement.org. It's an online tool from AARP that can help you get your retirement savings on track no matter your age. It's free and only takes about three minutes. I like three minutes. Yeah. At aceyourretirement.org, you'll chat with Avo, the friendly digital retirement coach. Just answer a few questions and you'll get a personalized plan and tips to help boost your retirement savings. Tips that are easy to understand and tailored to your lifestyle. I like that too. Plus, it's sponsored by AARP, so you know they got your back. Just head to aceyourretirement.org and make your plan to start saving for retirement. Thanks. That's aceyourretirement.org. A message from AARP and the Ad Council. I'll take dig a little, learn a lot for 30 bushels. Soft. 
and crumbly. Tom. How does healthy soil feel to the touch? Correct. Dig a little for 40 bushels. Sweet and earthy. Tom. What does healthy soil smell like? Yes, go again. Dig a little for 50 bushels. Dark, porous, and alive. Tom. What does healthy soil look like? You win. Understanding the basics and benefits of healthy soil can make your farm a winner, too, through lower input costs, better yields, and drought protection, which can lead to a healthier bottom line for your business. Contact your local Natural Resources Conservation Service office today to find out how you can unlock the secrets in your soil. This message brought to you by USDA's Natural Resources Conservation Service and this radio station. Choose the proven performance of the Roundup Ready Extend crop system, featuring high-yielding Extend Flex soybeans and the exceptional weed control of Extend to Max herbicide with vapor grip technology. Elite genetics, triple herbicide tolerance, flexibility that delivers results, backed by 25 years of innovation. That's the Roundup Ready Extend crop system, the system of choice. Extend to Max is a restricted-use pesticide. Always follow stewardship practices, all pesticide label directions, and check with your state pesticide regulatory agency for specific restrictions in your state. They say if you listen hard enough, you can hear the corn grow. It's true. When you're out in the field, you understand its challenges and what it needs to thrive. Channel Seedsmen bring insights from the field to our team of Bayer plant breeders. Their knowledge inspires our product development. From your best ground to your most challenging conditions, our products are designed to perform in your fields. Visit ChannelListens.com to see our latest innovations. Always read and follow IRM where applicable. Grain marketing and all other stewardship practices and pesticide label directions. This is Around the Table, where we explore the benefits of cooperative ownership. And today, we're joined again by Joe Lardy, Market Intelligence and Insights Analyst with CHS Global Research. And Joe, let's start off with what you're seeing and hearing in the early harvest results. We kind of try to marriage those with what expectations were. I think if the early harvest results are a sign of things to come, then I think this year things are going to be highly variable. Clearly the drought has affected yields in the Dakotas and Minnesota, but we compare that to, you know, the I states and we're seeing some really, really good yields there. Some people are talking record yields there. And of course in the Dakotas, some people are talking that it's an absolute disaster and they don't have anything to harvest. We're also seeing even some big yield differences just within the draw territories of some of our local elevators. I mean, yields from different farms across the road from one another, we're seeing some pretty big differences in yields. So I think this year is really up in the air. And the other thing that's very interesting about this year is we're seeing a lot of disease pressure and tar spot seems to be uh, very prevalent in the East this year. And I think that's causing guys to really rush to get the combines rolling and get out there as they're afraid that the corn is going to go down. So weak stands and standability has really been an issue. And from what we've seen from the weekly crop reports, we've got a pretty mature crop. We're ahead of the five-year average by about 10%. And so I think there's going to be this rush to get out in the fields and, and, and get this crop harvested. But the downside to that is that we're seeing low test weights. And we've seen that in the past. And that low test weight issue seems to hang around and it kind of filters in throughout the course of the marketing year. That's Joe Lardy with CHS Global Research. Thanks for joining us around the table. Be sure to tune in again for more about the benefits of co-op ownership from CHS and check out cooperativeownership.com. AOA is brought to you by Cenex Premium Diesel. Cenex Premium Diesel. 
Diesel that doesn't mess around. Information America's farmers and ranchers need to know on AOA. Now, back to Mike Adams. Harvest rolls on. We get a report from Kansas. Ken McCauley joins us. Ken, good to talk with you. You about done? Morning, Mike. Yeah, we're getting a, getting a big hole put in it. Uh, I'd say we're getting close to uh, well, maybe two-thirds done with corn and uh some guys around that started soybeans, we'll, we'll get on them as probably next week. But, uh, well, things are really rolling. We had some corn go out of the field yesterday at 15, and that, <laughs> for us, that, that usually doesn't happen. A lot of full-season corn, but it's really dried down. I uh, hear a lot of guys talking that uh, we shut the dryer off about a week ago, and, and boy, it, it's nice when that happens. Yeah, we've heard a lot of those reports. Are, are you concerned at all about stock quality? Well, we sure haven't seen any problems yet. Uh, I guess you always get concerned if you switch to beans and you don't come back for, you know, mm-hmm. 10 or 20 days. But uh, we sure haven't seen any 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 harvest uh, of the problems with the stalks at all. So I guess I say no, we haven't heard that around here. Happy with the yields? Very happy, Mike. I, there's guys talking early in the, in the late summer that, you know, we could have as good as last year. And I said, well, that'd be really hard to beat. But but that's true. We've had some even better than last year's yields. And that's that's pretty remarkable that we were pretty dry there in uh, June. And then we had rain and, and then it got dry again. But evidently, I just gave that corn character. And, and mm-hmm. it's uh, really rolling out. You hear a lot of guys talking 250s and and higher. So it's, uh, it's really good. And, and that's kind of where we are, too. What are you expecting from your beans? Always kind of hard to gauge those until you get out there, but what are you expecting? Well, the guys that are in them talk like they're really good. The 70s is pretty common. Not a lot have been cut, but well, you look at them and, you know, once the leaves grow off and you look at those nodes and how budged up they are at that and all you see is pods. So I'd say bean yields are going to be really good in this area. Mm-hmm. Um how far along are you compared to last year or an average year? Are you ahead of a schedule or about right on your usual pace? No, I think we're ahead of schedule. If we finish this week and harvest corn all the way the rest of this week, we're not going to have, you know, maybe 20% left. And that's that's ahead of what we usually are. And the big plus for us here is that most of the corn's close to home. And you can really roll when you're, you know, and you're in the – you don't have to drive somewhere and and uh, get ready and all those things. So and then supper's close too when you when you quit quit <laughs> close to home. <laughs> That's important for sure. It is um, important. You know, there's a lot of talk, Ken, about uh, next year and the battle for acres. And I know I know a lot of guys are set on their rotations, but some of those acres may change. And one of the factors could be input costs could drive some more acres to to beans. Are you hearing? Any talk about that? Well, you, everybody's busy and nobody's really going anywhere to talk, but I can see it happening over the country. Uh, you know, guys around here get locked into their rotation, and, you know, some guys are 60 or more percent corn here now, and I, I think that'll probably stay. But, you know, sometimes you, you go to be the contrarian and, and plant some more corn. But I really think overall it's going to be 
up in the air how many acres of corn we have for next year because of that. And then not just the price, but you know how much of the of the corn uh, inputs can can you get? How available they are with all this natural gas? And there's just a lot of talk about about you know are we going to have have enough inputs to uh, put up big acres of corn in? Yeah, I was going to ask you about that because with you kind of, as you said, a little ahead of schedule, and if the weather holds, that would normally lead to a lot of fall field work. Uh, but maybe the availability of some inputs could uh, change that. No, it could. I, you know, a guy guy that's just looking at just plain numbers and and what you can get for prices. I I still leaning towards corn because, but uh, boy, you talk about you know anywhere 70 bushel and above soybeans at at the price that it looks like we'll be able to get i i think that it's going to be a real fight and you know i hesitate to to sell too much yet just because of of what's going to happen our elevators are bidding bidding up you see the board you know pretty pretty solid on the top end yesterday's market and all that middle of harvest what what are you supposed to think are we, we <laughs> things look pretty tight to me yeah, I was going to ask you what what your bases look like in your area. Well, we're still, you know, a little under. Uh, it depends on on who you talk to and who needs the corn, what thinks mm-hmm. they need corn, I guess. But you know, some some places are bidding over the board yet. But you know, you get into uh, December and and everybody locks the bend doors and gets done, and I think I think you're going to see things tighten up, maybe. Not as dramatic as it was last year, but I think you could see, you could sure see things recover from here, and these prices are pretty good. What are you seeing as far as movement? Are you seeing a lot of uh, going into storage, uh, any transportation issues? What's what do you see in your area? We sure haven't seen any issues. We were hauling in yesterday, and you you know you get in there, no big lines. Uh, a lot of guys still filling up their bins. Everything was empty this past year going into harvest so you know a lot of guys are looking to to refill and make sure their elevator storage is is filled we may have lost ken <laughs> sound like he might have dropped his phone you still there ken oh i think we lost him all right um ken mccauley kansas farmer with an update he farms more on the eastern side of the state of kansas and as you heard him said heard him say they are kind of ahead of their schedule and uh, corn yields are very good and uh, some beans in his area have been cut, but uh, just getting started, and he looks to be starting on his farm uh, very, very soon. So good report there from Ken McCauley in Kansas. We'll continue to talk with farmers, check in with them uh, around the Midwest uh, during this harvest season, and we'll keep you up to date with the, those proceedings and actions going on in Washington, D.C. as we watch closely. Maybe close to getting that infrastructure bill passed. We will soon see. That wraps it up for today. AOA is brought to you by Cenex Matron Synthetic Diesel Engine Oils. Oils that run smart. Why do I plant NK seeds? Because every seed's an investment, and I don't gamble on my farm. Out here, every seed's got to earn its acre. That's why I need corn and soybeans that deliver the results I expect. And it's why I always make room for elite performers from NK. Because every investment owes me a return, and success matters. 
Find your local NK retailer at nkseeds.com slash retailer. Join us every Tuesday for Around the Table, brought to you by CHS, where we take a close look at the benefits of cooperative ownership. Every week, we'll host a new guest and discuss how you can get the most from working with your local cooperative. And we'll learn why farmers and ranchers just like you choose cooperatives to help them persevere and prosper. So be sure to tune in each Tuesday or visit cooperativeownership.com to learn more.